reminder, this year uh, the elders have uh, thought about a theme and um, we have come up with uh, walking in the way of God. And uh, I like Psalm 25 because uh, verses 4 and 5 uh, tells us, Make me know your ways, O Lord. And that says pretty much what the rest of this year is going to be about. Let me know your ways, Lord. And then the psalmist goes on, teach me your paths, lead me in your truth, teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. And so that's the objective, is for God to reveal to you and have you walk in his ways, to learn his ways. And last week I emphasized Philippians 3.13, it is God who is at work in you. And you really have to come to that conclusion. God is at work in me. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what the circumstances of the week are. It doesn't matter what you're looking at next week. God is at work in you both to will and to work His good pleasure. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that work today, His good pleasure, not necessarily yours, His good pleasure. Um, and the title of last week's message was God's Way Transformation. And um, it was inspired by uh, those little uh, toys that the kids get um, that are, uh, they look like a truck or a car or something like that, and you pull this out and twist that and move it around in some sort of fashion. And all of a sudden, you have something entirely new and something different entirely different. It's been transformed into a robot or whatever. And that's what God is about doing in us. He's taking who we are today and transforming us, molding us, changing us. And that's a God's way. That's what he does. Um, and I talked about this. I mean, we, we obviously understand that Transformation uh, happens, and you can see it throughout the Bible. Uh, you, you, you take um, a shepherd boy, and he becomes a king. You take a persecutor of the church, and he becomes an apostle and evangelist. Uh, you take a guy who's hiding in Gideon in this wine vat, afraid, and God turns him into a warrior. Um, you take, take, take a, a guy who's a moon worshiper and he comes out of his country in Abraham and he becomes the father of our faith. So God is about transforming us. And we most of us have gone through this initial transformation where we bowed our knee and we said, God, I need you. And what happened there is he put Peter tells us he put us this new seed in us, this imperishable seed. Uh, he brought us to life. Colossians says, you were dead, and I made you alive in Christ. Uh, Ezekiel tells us that he's going to transform your heart. You had a heart of stone, and he made it a heart of flesh. And then Ezekiel tells us he put his spirit in us that we might live for him and walk in his ways. Well, that's not changing. 
we do it that way. Oop. Need a little help. There we go. Second Corinthians, and this is, by the way, by review, but we all with unveiled face beholding, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into that same image, into the image of God, the image of Christ Jesus. That's our charge and God's work in us so that we become little Christ. We walk in his ways, and he's changing us from glory to glory. And then I use this passage from Isaiah. There we go. In, where God says, instead of the thorn bush, the cypress will come up. And instead of the briar, the myrtle will come up. And it will be a memorial to the Lord. And that is who we are. We're these little thorn bushes. We are these briars. And God says, I am going to turn you into a magnificent cypress tree. I'm going to turn you into a magnificent myrtle tree. And a myrtle tree is known for its fragrance. Uh, the cypress tree is known for its strength. Uh, and there is a, a list of things that we can talk about in these trees that are representative of how God changes us. He makes us strong. Uh, he gives us the oils that come from these trees uh, are salves that we can uh, emanate as we walk in this place for those around us. So, by way of review, that pretty much takes care of it. And now I'm going to switch gears a little bit, and I want to talk about enzyme inhabitors. There's a disclaimer. It's been a while since I was in chemistry class, and actually, as I kind of thought about that, I don't think I did very well in chemistry class. I probably came out with, at best, a C minus, maybe even lower. Um, so I'm making no pretense here to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and if you are in this fine congregation and you recognize that he has no idea what he's talking about, just go with it. <laughs> just go with it. I'm trying to get to a principle here. I mean, there are people I know in this audience who can get up here and tell you all about enzyme inhibitors, inhibitors but um, I'm not necessarily one of those. So I'm going to do the best I can. You just sort of flow with this and say, ah, man, I don't know what he's talking about. But Wikipedia, don't we all like Wikipedia? Yes, we do. An enzyme inhibitor is a molecule that binds to an enzyme and decreases activity. Wow. I knew that all along. So this little green thing there happens to be a molecule. And an enzyme inhibitor latches onto that. And it decreases the activity of the molecule. So let's just say that that happens to be um, a molecule uh, that, uh, an inflammatory molecule. So if it's in your body, it's sort of, it could be a, a gout or it could be an arthritis or something like that. And you are given a medicine and that medicine has enzymes in it and they attach themselves to this molecule. 
And when they attach themselves to that molecule, that molecule doesn't become as active as it can be, and it becomes inhibited. So if it's going to be an inflammatory uh, molecule, it's got this enzyme that's stuck to it, and it just doesn't have the same power or pull to it. Um, okay. Now, we want to get to today's lesson. And today's lesson is transformation inhibitors. Now, let's go back to this picture, and let's say that that green now is not a bad molecule, but it's a good molecule. And these inhibitors stick to it, and when they stick to it, they decrease the effectiveness of it. So, you are in the process of being transformed. But I want you to know, and I'm going to go through these pretty quickly. Uh, these are ones that I just thought up, and probably half of them I'm most guilty of. Um, these are things that inhibit my transformation. Now, in 1967... Old Blue Eyes there, Frank Sinatra, came out with a new song, and if any of you who are over 40, maybe 50, may know, remember that song. And it's entitled, My Way. Um, it was a, uh, it was very popular in the States. It was uh, on the, in the top, uh, it's on the billboard uh, for about 54 weeks. England, it was on for 127 weeks. So, uh, and I'm going to show you the last stanza of uh, My Way. It says, For what is a man, what has he got? If not himself, then he has not. I say the things he truly feels, to say the things he truly feels, and not the words of one who kneels. The record shows I took the blows, and I did it my way. Wow, isn't that inspirational? <laughs> I did it my way. Now, if you look at that, there are those who really believe that that is the way it should be. It says, I'm independent. I'm a self-thinker. But if we look at those from God's perspective, and if you decide you're going to do it my way and not his way, you are beginning a little inhibitor. And so what happens there is uh, you become one who uh, is prideful. Would you say that's prideful? Would you say it's arrogant? And God says, I don't want that. To inhibit your walk with me. I look at things. And Jeremiah 17 says, And the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, I understand it. I understand your heart. And I search it. And I test the mind. Even to give each man according to his ways. Are your, his ways your ways or his ways? according to the results of his deeds. And so 
One of the things that we have to be aware of as we are being transformed in this transformational process is that we surrender my way. It's not my way. There's another inhibitor that I want to talk about. Uh -huh. Stubborn. Now, I'm probably not talking to the right audience. I know that. But Hebrews says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me. Um, I, I like how Zechariah says it. But they refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears from hearing. And they made their hearts like flint, so they could not hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore great wrath came upon the Lord of hosts. And sometimes, sometimes, we get a little stubborn. Um, I do have that story, and I've told it before, but there's a story of the father, and he has a little boy in the church, and uh, the little boy continues to stand up on the pew. And the father says, sit down. Not sitting down. I said, sit down. Well, the father reaches over and grabs a hold of him and boom, plops him down. And the kid in his mind says, I may be sitting on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. Stubbornness has all sorts of emerging ways in our lives. And God says, I don't want that. I don't want that to inhibit your walk with me. I want you to lay that aside. We make excuses. I don't know whether any of you have made excuses, but I certainly have. Uh, Jesus... Uh, Speaking in Luke 9, 57 to 62, uh, someone comes up to him and says, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me first go and bury my father. And he said to him, Allow the dead to bury the dead. But... As for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. And another also said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. And Jesus said to him, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. See, we are people of excuses. Jeremiah, when he was called by the Lord, what did he say? Oh, Lord, I'm, I'm a youth. You can't mean me. And God said, do not say, I am a youth, because I am for you and I am with you. And so we have this idea that excuses are a, 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 a viable alternative to God. And he says, no, that's an inhibitor. Don't come up with excuses. Well, I've always been like this, or my dad was like this, or my family was like that. I'm too young, I'm too old. God says, 
you're just, you're just inhibiting my transformation of you. Why are you wearing that? Ah, classic. We shift blame. Jesus, or in, Galatia, or in Genesis 3, God confronts the man with his disobedience. And the man said, the woman whom you gave me to be with me, she's the one who caused all this. You see the shift in the blame. It's not my fault. It's your fault, God. And then he comes to the woman, and God said to the woman, what is it that you've done? And the woman said, it was who else? The serpent. The serpent deceived me, and I did it. And so we have this tendency to not take a responsibility for the outcome of our actions so many times. It's better for, oh, it's that woman you gave me, or it's that man you gave me, or it's my job, or it's, it's whatever comes to mind that gets me out of this and gives me an excuse not to allow God to transform my life here that I may look more like Christ. We are indifferent so many times. Now, this is from the parable that Jesus tells about the Good Samaritan. Uh, but I'm only going to go up to verse 35, or I'm only going to go to, uh, uh, I don't remember what verse that is. Uh, a man, certain man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him, and he went off leaving him, and they went off leaving him half dead. And by chance a certain priest was going down on the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. See, so many times we'd be able to see something that needs corrected, that needs help, that needs our involvement. And we say, oh, I'm not really interested. Let Judah do it. He does everything. And we become indifferent to the need that is before us. And God says, that, that, that inhibits my transformation of you. That, that slows down my changing you from image to image, from glory to glory. Sometimes we simply run from God. That's what Jonah did. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, and saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish, to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And so he went down to Joppa and found a ship that was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And I don't, I, I certainly, I had about two years of my life where I ran from God. Now, I wasn't out doing 
I just, he wanted me to do something, and I said, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. We'll talk about some of the work of God that says, I, I think you will. I, I think you'll do this. No, I'm not. My wife can attest to that. You know, She knows what I'm talking about, okay? Um, actually, one, uh, can I tell that story? Okay, she gives me permission. Um, one year, in the midst of all of this, she gave me a Bible. And in the front of it, she wrote down to Jonah. When are you going to stop running? Something like that. And it, and it came face to face. When am I going to stop running from God? What God wants me to do. Oh, this one. Again, this is Jesus telling a parable. And he says, it's a, I'll give you the whole background. I don't want to put the whole thing on a slide. But um, it's... Um, uh, a man has a visitor come to him uh, and he wasn't expecting the visitor and he has nothing to feed him. So he goes over to his neighbor's house and he bangs on the door and says, I, I, need, I need some bread because I've got this, these people who've come. And the man yells out, do not bother me. The door's already been shut and my children are in bed and I cannot get up and give you anything because it's comfortable here. Everything is in its place. Why are you bothering me? I'm just comfortable. Comfort. And God says, I don't want you to get into a comfort zone. I'm going to knock on the door again and again and again. And the parable ends by saying, and the persistence, the guy got up. And so God says, your comfort can be um, a wee bit of a problem in your transformation. Uh, I do appreciate, and I don't really remember this, but Arwen, a couple of weeks ago, came up and she said, I know God does not want me to be as comfortable as I am. I'm in bed. I know where the kids are. I know everything is perfect. And she said, I know God doesn't want me there. Amen. That's there. Yeah, she's there. That's a summary of it. Well, and I think the bottom line on all of this is that sometimes when God begins to transform us, Change hurts. And from Hebrews 5, and said, and uh, the writer of Hebrews says, and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. And you see that, that apparently what has gone on here, as there has been instruction to this group of people, and they just don't get it. They don't want to change. They, it hurts for me to put on these different things. Um, he said, for this time, you ought to be teachers now. You have someone, to, you have need of being taught again. So, uh, I know 
that when God begins to work in us, He begins to transform us, He begins to change us, He begins to mold us into His image. Ow! And I've always been like this, an excuse. I'm not paying any attention or I'm going to run from you or whatever our inhibitor is. And God said, I want to take that off of you. Well, now the good news. That was the bad news. This is the good news. The good news is that God has remedies for your inhibitors. This is good news. From Philippians 1.6, Paul writes to the Philippians, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Well, that comes back to what he also wrote, that he's begun a good work in us, and to will and to work his good pleasure, to mold us, to change us. Well, it's said twice in this particular uh, epistle, and it's true. Wherever you are today, whatever inhibitors that you have, God says, ah, that's, I got that taken care of. Let's get that off of you so that you will look more like the one who you want to look like, the Christ Isaiah 64 says, But now, O Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay, and you are the potter, and all of us are the work of your hand. And that molding that takes place when he begins to change us, ripping that clay higher or wider, or even incising it to bring out decoration in it. we are confronted with the refiner's fire. In Malachi 3, the Lord says, for he, or declaring, describing the Lord, he is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller soap, and he will set as a smelter and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver so that they may be that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. You understand that um, purification of gold and silver uh, requires heat. Um, there are, uh, you have different grades of gold. You have 10 carat, you have 14 carat, and you have 24 carat. Uh, and 10 carat has a lot of other alloys in it that have not been burned off. 14 has a little bit more that has not been burned off, but 24, they have really turned up the heat in all of those ores and, and different minerals that are in that gold have been fired so that what comes to the top is what's called a dross. And then that dross is scooped off. That's the stuff that you don't want. And God says, you know, that's who I am. I am like a refiner's fire, and I will turn up the heat on something that I want to remove from you. And you, me, are going to say, I don't like this. 
And God will say, you'll like it in the end because it will transform you into what I want you to be and how I want you to act and how I want you to walk down here. Take away the dross from the silver and there comes out a vessel for the smith. Meaning, we take that off and now it becomes far more usable. Far more usable. And he can build it into a, a beautiful art piece of artwork. Well, coming back to Jonah, again, God has ways. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. Now, I want to tell you, and I, my own experience that I was in the belly of a whale for two years. And it's not pleasant in there. But God has ways. And I'm sure Jonah, after 10 minutes in there, said, Okay, Lord, let's get the. And God said, Oh, I don't think you're quite ready yet. I think there's something in the back of your mind that you're thinking, just get me out of this and then I'll do what I want to do anyway. I'll do it my way. You know, he didn't want to preach to Nineveh because Nineveh was, a, uh, it was not even a, a Jewish community. They were all Gentiles. And he said, what are you doing going to the Gentiles and telling them to repent? And you know what really burned him up is that they did. You think about Job, and you remember what the account of Job. Job has is just sitting there one day, having a good day, and one of his servants come up to him and says, you know, your oxen, your sheep, all your cattle, uh, they have been stolen. And there are three different guys that come up and tell him that. And, and you go, oh, oh they They've taken everything. And then another guy comes up and shows up to him and says, you know what? Are you having a bad day? <laughs> well, I'm gonna... All of your children, they were in the house and they were baking merry and they were having a feast and this wind came along and it killed all of them. The house fell on them. They're all dead. And so Job goes on a little bit further and God says, yeah, you know, have you considered my servant Job? Uh, do you want to, you can touch his body. And so all of these boils begin to show up on his body. Some says from the heel of his foot to the crown of his head, boils. And God was trying to get at something in Job. And Job finally in 42 comes up with this one. He says, and this is where he finally realizes that he is self-reliant. He has made these proclamations that he is self-righteous. And he says, I know you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have declared that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. And then he quotes, this is Job speaking, he quotes, quotes what God said in, verse, in chapter 38. Hear now, and I will speak, and I will ask you, do you instruct me? 
and what he's coming to this realization is that he's not a self-instructor. It's not his way. It's got to be God's way. And he makes this final declaration, I have heard of you by the hearing of your ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I retract and I repent in dust and ashes. See, if God's after us, he's going to turn up the fire. He's going to bring us into situations that you have to say, I surrender. It's not my way. And I'm not making excuses and I'm not indifferent and all of those other those inhibitors. Um, one of the things that I always tell everybody, and it's very true, uh, but if, if you were in a grocery store and you happen to see me and I'm online, do not, this is, do not get behind me. Don't. Because I can tell you that everybody in front of me will have a problem. Somebody's card won't work. Somebody will need to price check. It will, you, you will see these other lines going past and past and past, and you will know that I am there, and God says, you are not done with working patience in you. You know, you know how you're sitting in the car line, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you think, move forward, move forward. Move forward, and you're talking back and forth. You can see him. God, I'm, I'm burning off stuff here. I'm burning off stuff. I don't like it. Don't you see that we could get, if we did it this way, you know, and then you start to instruct God. And he says, no, I'm just going to make, make you wait here a little bit. Oh, man, you want to make longer? No, I don't want to wait longer. Okay. Um, so, you know, God has ways. And he wants to burn these things off. And we should always, 2 Thessalonians says, give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation. Woo! Let me rest there. Through transformation by the Spirit and faith in the truth. We should give thanks that God loves us enough that he says, I want to take, I want to mold you into a different image. I want to mold you into a kingdom image. I want to mold you into the image of my son. So when you walk down here, people are going to say, that is a wonderful fragrance that person gives off. Why is that fragrance so good? And it's because I'm living life to life, not death to death. Um, I'm going to have uh, Ben come up at this time as I finish up. John 15 tells us that every branch that bears fruit good lord you are you are working in me this is great and then god says eh, i want to prune you a little bit snip snip so that you'll produce more that you will be the one who walks down here with thanksgiving and says god is at work in me and i am so thankful 
that who I am today, I will not be that same person tomorrow, and who I am tomorrow, I will not be that same person the day after, because it is God who is at work in you. I want to close with the prayer from Ephesians. Um, this is sort of a setup to the, the last part of the, the prayer, uh, but I couldn't, I didn't want to leave it aside. Um, so Paul writing to the Ephesians, for this reason I bow my knee before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the rich of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That's his prayer. I want Christ in you. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to the fullness of God. Can you believe that prayer? He wants you to be filled to the fullness of God, the fullness of Christ. Hallelujah. And then, from Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, and this is in the Passion. It's not a translation. It's a paraphrase in the um, Ephesians 3, 20. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. And those are the things that were talked about in verses 14 to 19. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. It is God who is in you, it is God who is at work in you, and he is about his way, which is a way of transformation. Now we offer up to God all the glorious praise that rises from every church and every generation through Jesus Christ. And all of them will yet be manifest through time and eternity. Amen. Um, the song that we sang this morning um, about new wine and being pressed out and being changed by it was really something that you all sang. And I wanted uh, Ben to um, come and lead us in that as we close. But this time when you're singing it, look at the words. And as you mouth them out and as you sing them, let that be a prayer that God will press out those things that inhibit your growth and that he will pour in and transform you into this delicious, wonderful new creature that, has, that is new wine entirely. Not old, but new wine. So that's a... We'll close with that. Um, and as they sing it and lead us, I'm going to ask you to stand. And um, 
allow God to talk to you.